Welcome to the Shepherd's Chapel Network Family Bible Study Hour with Pastor Arnold Murray. Wisdom is understanding God's Word. Pastor Murray's unique teaching approach brings God's Word alive with meaning as he takes you on a chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse study of God's letter to you, the Bible. And now here is Pastor Arnold Murray. Good day to you. God bless you. Say welcome to the Shepherd's Chapel. Welcome to this family Bible study hour back in our Father's Word, chapter 4, the great book of Revelation. Revelation, regardless of what language you want to say it in, means the uncovering, to make known. And that's what our Father wants you to do, is to know and to understand His instructions that He's written to you on the chronological order of events and what you're to do within those time periods. And he makes it complete. And that's the wonderful thing about our Father. Wonder why? Well, he loves his children. He created his children for his pleasure. And when you give him pleasure, it pleases him so much. Uh, I want you to remember we just finished um, a tour on earth here in chapter 2 and 3. We're about to have heaven addressed here. You're, and you have to come with me now. When, when we make these changes, it's important. We have just taught the churches on earth, two out of seven is all that Christ was pleased with. You've heard me say it many times. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to say, hey, to please God, I need to go to a church that teaches what these two taught because they each give you a witness against the other. You got a double witness, two witnesses that lets you know what your church should be teaching if you want the blessings of God. It's one thing to, to have milk toast, but occasionally you need to get into the meat that's really pleasing to God. So having said that, when we, we leave the churches at this time, and a lot of people would have you say that in chapter 4, verse 1, the church is raptured. Let, let a child read this first verse, and they can understand the church has no article. It's not part of the subject. And uh, read it to a child and then have, you, have them explain to you who it's about or who it's concerning. And let's read it. If we ask that word of wisdom from our Father in Yeshua's name, chapter 4, the great book of Revelation, verse 1. What does it read? It reads... After this, after this what? After the churches, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, not earth, but in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee, is that plural? And I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now, did, um, that, that's your Heavenly Father speaking. And as you would read in, um, as you would read in uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 10, in the Spirit I was taken to the Lord's day. That's what has transpired here. That door in heaven was opened whereby he could see and understand. And the purpose being to give truth to John so that he can pass it on to us, whereby we know what's going down and how it's going down. Very important. And um, naturally, uh, 
the church is still very much here and it will be why because heaven's going to be right here on earth and we will document that before we finish the book of revelation why would you want to go somewhere else when heaven is here on earth heaven is wherever god is and he's coming here in other words so here we have john translated spiritually speaking <clears throat> in the spirit taken to that lord's day <clears throat> why to show us things. Let's learn from it. Verse 2, And immediately I was in the spirit, not the flesh body, but I was in the spirit body, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Uh, you, you don't really need too many guesses to know who that would be. It'd be our Father, Almighty God. It's His throne. And uh, there's not all that many thrones in heaven. He's it. And He's your Father. That's good. Now, again, I want to say, <clears throat> there is no article for a church, a group of people, this strictly is singular, and it's John. For what? To pass information to us, the body of Christ. Even in this time just preceding the Lord's Day, which is to say the millennium. So there he is now, not on earth, you're not looking at earth here. You're in heaven spiritually. Now let's, uh, let's learn from our Father's word. Verse 3. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Here, what you have here is the first and the last stone on a priest's breastplate. Our Father giving that beauty, that Shekinah glory that um, was around that throne, the majesty of, of our Heavenly Father. Verse 4, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. They had overcome. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Not, not only do they have white robes, meaning their righteous acts wove enough linen that they have white robes, but they're wearing crowns. Many people wonder who these 24 are. I think, I think it's obvious if you think. You can call it educated guests. You can call it whatever you want to. We won't really know till we get there, but they'll be there. Uh, I feel that it's the 12 patriarchs, the fathers of Israel, all 12 of them, and I feel the 12 apostles. Now, a lot are going to have trouble. Well, will it be Judas or will it be Mathis? Because Mathis took Judas's place. Well, now, you know, here's where mankind must be very careful. You're setting yourself up as a judge if you try to make that decision. Well, why do you say that, brother? Well, Judas repented. And if you repent in Christ's name, are your sins forgiven? The answer is yes. So you better let God judge which one of those sits on that seat, the 24. But here you have the elders of God's house, so to speak. That is to say from the old and 12 from the new. And the elders from both make up the word of God as God himself spoke through various ones from those camps 
from those people whereby they could see, whereby they could understand and how precious it is that we see that Shekinah glory and, and we see those that overcome, that had overcome right there. Verse five, and out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there was seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now make a mental note of the seven spirits of God. And then in the next chapter, we'll, we'll get to it and you'll learn what those seven spirits are. Seven means spiritual completeness. So, um, and inasmuch as there were, was an angel for each of the churches, then there will be angels for each of the seals, all seven of them, an angel for the seven trumps, all seven of them, and, and uh, the vials and so forth. Well, what is an angel? It's a messenger. God uses whomever he chooses. But here you see this vivacious activity uh, taking place around that uh, throne of God, busy, busy, and it should be as it always is, but beautiful and peaceful. Six, and before the throne, there was a sea of glass, that's purity, like unto crystal, nothing to offend, nothing dirty. I mean, it was just as pure as it could be. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Now, the, the translation of beast here is a little crude, okay. but it should be translated living creatures. They're the zoi, meaning they're cherubims. They're protectors of the mercy seat, which is what Satan was supposed to do in the beginning and fail failed miserably. They're the Zun in the Hebrew tongue. They've been with us ever since that fall, uh, uh, utilizing and aiding Almighty God. And they have no, um, cherubim, K-B-R, even in, it means keep, grip, grab, uh, guard. Um, they're guards. And so they are of that throne. But they are wonderful creatures, not, not even having the ability to hate, but to love God and to protect that mercy seat. That is their obligation, that is their duty, and it was to replace um, ones uh, that had the freedom of choice, who could hate, love, or be prideful. So there you have them, but they're living beings, living creatures. Verse seven, and the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face of, as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Ooh, that just sounds so mystic, does it not? Well, not if, not if you're familiar with the history of our people. No mystery to it at all. Let, let's read the next verse, verse eight. And the four beasts, those living beings, creatures, had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come, and certainly he will come. 
you know, it, it is real easy to try to snow yourself under with symbolism when you've been taught from those 12 elders from the tribes of Israel sitting there, what, what this stands for, what it signifies. And, and you find it in the great book of Ezekiel. I'm going to take you there and you're going to understand these creatures and what this is about the wings from our Father's Word. There is a time in this book of Ezekiel where Ezekiel was taken to the river Kibar, which means a length of time in the Hebrew tongue. And a length of time is described here that you need to be attuned to. We're going to pick it up in the fourth verse to understand these, this, these beings that are described here. It is symbolism, but the symbolism is very simple. Let's explain it from not man's word, but the word of God. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 4. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, uh, and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. There was a glowing amber. But what, what is this word in the Hebrew? The word amber is highly polished bronze. Okay. It was an object. It was a vehicle. Out of highly polished bronze. Verse 5. Also, out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. This is the zoi, the zone. Those living beings that have the throne of God. Well, if they're there, what does that mean? Well, the throne of God's not far away. And this was their appearance. Um, this was their appearance that um, they had the likeness of a man. Now, um, here they have uh, these living and their appearance. We got that. But what do they look like? Well, the face of one of them looked like a man. Verse 6. And every one had four faces. And every one had four wings. Well, now, why? It said in Revelation they had six. Well, if it's a vehicle and it's landed, the landing gear makes another set. If, and Ezekiel is describing this as an old cart driver. All he's ever seen with wheels on it is a cart. But he's doing a fantastic, a fabulous job of explaining this. Uh, verse 7, And their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot, straight-legged, in other words. Landing gear usually is. And they sparkled like the color of brownish brass because they were highly polished bronze. Eight. And they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides, and they had their faces and their wings. John, do you remember the faces and from the book of Revelation? Listen to it. Nine. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went every one straight forward. In other words, if you're driving a cart, if you're going to turn the mule, you're going to turn his head to the right, and he'll turn to the right. These things were perfectly circled, and they just went wherever they wanted to. There was no neck or head to turn to look where it went, but however way it went. Ten, as for the likeness of their faces, 
they four had the face of a man. I mean, one of them, it was a man, Adam in the Hebrew tongue. And the face of a lion on the right side, and they had, and they four had the face of, of an ox on the left side, and they four also had the face of an eagle. Now, what, what does this mean? Well, listen to me. When you see Israel camped at night, and, and you can learn all this from Numbers chapter 2 and in and, and that second chapter of Numbers where the symbols of the tribes were placed. On the north was the eagle. What tribe does the eagle represent? Uh, it represents Dan. And Dan was always located to the north. And the ox, and the ox being um, on the west, what, what did it represent? It was Ephraim. Okay. Always was. And the man's face on the south, what did it represent? Well, it was Reuben. Always represented the tribe of Reuben. A man, you might say, well, well, why do y'all have flags? These were flags, standards, identifying the tribes, identifying the people. And then on the east, of course, was that great lion. Well, when, when they were camped at night, everyone else parked within that. But that lion naturally represented Judah, the tribe of Judah. And so it was. So you see, there's no great mystery in this. This is God himself approaching the earth in a vehicle. It's certainly not a UFO because it's identified. Uh, UFO meaning an unidentified vehicle. This one was identified. It was God's transportation and his zoon, the living creatures right with him, with his throne. And, and this explaining God's purpose, the children he loves through which Christ would come, Messiah, and his hand for them. Verse 11, thus were their faces and their wings were stretched outward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another and two covered their bodies, all in unison, all working together. 12, and they went everyone straight forward. Whither the Spirit was to go, they went, and they turned not when they went. And I explained that to you earlier, that these vehicles, it would go on to say it had windows, and you could see people inside. And every time the vehicle turned, the people inside turned too. Naturally, otherwise they'd have flung out, okay, have been flung out. So um, Ezekiel did a fantastic job of, of describing this event that he observed at Kibar. What a fantastic thing to witness such a thing. So, uh, uh, and again, it's not something you make a great deal out of. Our father, you know, when, when, um, when the fallen angels came to this earth, they were able to impregnate the daughters of Adam. They had to have transportation. And our father is so far advanced over what we are today burning um, petrol, bur burning fossil fuel. He doesn't need it. 
He has an energy that we do not understand in that amber glowing thing and God being a consuming fire. There are just many things we don't know. But at the same time, we must understand how precious our Father is. That naturally, what, what this signifies with these living beings is that they are protectors for the children of God and God Himself to protect the truth, to weld that truth, to bring that truth, and to see that that throne is always protected for the children of God. Therefore, you have them now in the book of Revelation, and as God continues on, explaining His wonderful work as, as He made that visit. But here, we have not, we were not at the river Kibar a length of time. Spiritually, in the body of John, spiritual body, we've been taken to heaven so that we can see right into the heavenly of heavenlies, the throne of God, the 12, 24 elders, and the living zoon, those creatures, that being, and the standards of God's children. Returning then to Revelation chapter 4, verse 9. And when those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to uh, him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever. I mean, he's the same yesterday, he is today, and he will be forever. That's why you, you can always count on him. Ten, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Why? because there's only one crown, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. The reason I'm reading those with such strength is that in the manuscripts, there is a definite article, the, before each of these, meaning the honor, the power, and the glory, to bring emphasis to this moment in the manuscripts. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure, you listen to it, what? For thy pleasure they are and were created. Do you understand that that's what you were created for was for God's pleasure? You, you want to think about this long and hard because if, if you cease giving Him pleasure, what does that mean? It means you're not serving the very purpose He created you for, and that is bad news. Now, if not only do you not give Him pleasure, but if you're a troublemaker against His plan, that does not bring him pleasure, but anger, discontentment, and vengeance against those that would counter him. And he has every right, because he created you for a specific reason, to give him pleasure. So therefore, the honor, the glory, and the blessings all go to our Heavenly Father. 
and he, he deserves and that power, double emphasized. It's his to do with as he so chooses. And, and so it is that uh, our Heavenly Father, this is why he loves and bless those that please him. This is why those two churches that are teaching what he instructed to teach, it makes his day. And he multiplies you. He causes your church to really grow when you teach what it is he would have you teach. And some might say, well, uh, I'm going to tell you what, if you start teaching that the, those that claim to be of our brother Judah of the synagogue of Satan, uh, uh, you, you know, that could, that could offend some people. So tough stuff. Okay. That's really tough. If that offends somebody that the children of Satan pretend to be our, of our brother Judah of that line of tribe, then that's tough stuff. They can just hump it. We don't have to be nice to the enemy as far as, as avoiding truth. Because when you avoid truth, you mislead the very children themselves that need to know that truth to receive that blessing from God that comes from being a pleasure to Him. So therefore, you serve Him and you follow His instructions. Don't worry, if you use wisdom, God will always protect you in what you do. You know, this politically correct business has caused many people to mellow out to where they're lukewarm and God will spew them out of his mouth. Well, we just hate to say anything that might offend some. If truth should offend some if they're not in truth, be that as it may, don't ever, ever apologize for the word of God. If you want to find something that displeasures him, then start melancholy, with melancholy, avoid the real truth of God's word and mislead some people because it's politically correct. You don't want to worry about politically correct. You want to do what's morally correct, period. Amen, that's that. Chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals, seven being spiritual completeness. You know what? One has given us the authority now to open those seals. You know, if we had kept reading in the great book of Ezekiel in chapter 2, verse 9, this same book was handed to him. And what did he say? Eat it. Eat that book. Absorb it. Take it into yourself. What is that book? It's the Word of God. How precious it is. And you know, it is true that people had difficulty with it until one was allowed to break that seal and interpret it whereby a child can understand. Seven being spiritual completeness, and so it is. You eat it, absorb it in the buds of your mind, and be blessed of Almighty God, because you will be giving Him pleasure. Verse 2, And I saw a strong angel, not, not just an average little angel, a strong angel, 
proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Question, who can explain this to us? Three, and no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Verse four, and I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Oh, there was one worthy coming. Verse five, and one of the elders said unto me, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Where are those seals to go? When we get to chapter seven, you'll find they go right inside your forehead, which is where your brain is. You're supposed to absorb those truths. It's simply a truth sealed in your mind whereby you cannot be deceived. Sealed in your mind whereby you know what tomorrow brings sealed in your mind whereby you can make preparation. Man only fears the unknown, but when God patiently, tenderly explains detail after detail after detail, you're able to cope, and not only to cope, but to be a blessing not only to God, but to those around you. No, Jesus Christ, prevailed from the, that lion of the tribe of Judah, that lion that was on the west of the encampment that protected that quarter, that brought salvation through that one, salvation and knowledge to the rest of the people, whomsoever will. Six, and I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, those Zun, living beings, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth unto all the earth. To, to how many? Well, why, was he, why did he appear to be slain? The crucifixion. But he wasn't just crucified and placed in a tomb. He resurrected. He rose. And these seven spirits, we'll find what they are here in this chapter. Spiritual completeness. Uh, seven eyes, how beautiful it is that if you were to go to Zechariah chapter four, even chapter three, you find there was a stone that has seven pairs of eyes. It's God's elect. And those eyes are for the benefit of Almighty God. You can read again in chapter four of Zechariah's how those seven eyes are in a stone that's a plummet that keeps things straight and level. Born in Babel, but coming out, Zerubbabel, to bring truth and knowledge and wisdom, whereby man is not deceived, but gains eternal, everlasting life. Um, verse seven, and he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. He took that word of God. Eight, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts, Zun, those living creatures, and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, before Yeshua, Jesus, having every one of them harps 
and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Don't you ever say that God does not hear your prayer if you're a set-aside one. It's not only does he hear it, it's bottled. It's kept. It's kept for that day, whether, uh, which is best for you. And our Father knows and understands. Again, one of the prime roots of happiness comes from that 11th verse of chapter 4 of the great book of Revelation. The, your purpose, your destiny. Whoa, 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 what are you talking about, brother? God created you for his pleasure. You stop giving him pleasure and you're going to get trouble. So the best way to avoid trouble is to give God pleasure. It doesn't take much because the main thing he wants from you is your love. It's so easy when you mean it from your heart and you do love him to say, Father, I love you. Lead me in the way you would have me go. Teach me in the way you would have me follow. You know something? He'll do it. So remind him of those promises. Talk to him about it, and he'll justify it for you. All right, don't miss the next lecture. Bless your heart. You listen a moment, won't you please? The Mark of the Beast on CD is our free introductory offer to you. What is the Mark of the Beast? Many false teachers would have you believe it will be a tattoo on your forehead or a computer chip implanted under your skin. It is getting light in the game. You need to know what the mark of the beast is. As it's written in Revelation chapter 13 verse 8, many will be deceived. There is no need for you to be deceived. Christ said in Mark 13, 23, Behold, I have foretold you all things. Jesus indeed told us how not to be deceived, and Pastor Arnold Murray takes you on a step-by-step -step study of God's Word concerning this critical subject, the mark of the beast. The telephone call is free. The CD is free. We don't even ask for the shipping and handling. It is free as well. All you need to do is call 800-643-4645 to request your one-time, one-per-household copy of the mark of the beast. You may also request your free CD by mailing your request to Shepherd's Chapel, Post Office Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. Don't be deceived by Satan. And there we are back again. Let's have the 800 number, please. 1-800-643-4645. That number is good from Puerto Rico, throughout the U.S., Alaska, Hawaii, all over Canada. If spirit moves, got a question, share it. Once you do that, please never ask a question about some reverend, some denomination, some organization. We do not judge people. Our Heavenly Father is judge enough. He does not need our help. And He judges very close. But He's always fair that you can count on. Those of you that listen by short wave around the world, it's always a pleasure hearing from you also. Your announcer at the end of the hour will give you a mailing address. Uh, always a pleasure. Got a prayer request? You don't need a number. You don't need an address. God knows what you're thinking. He created you for his pleasure, meaning he loves you. You may not love what you're doing right now, but he does love you. If you want to bring that pleasure to him, let him know you love him. Talk to him. If you have a problem, explain it to him. And ask on forgiveness of all your sins. 
that he guides you and leads you. Think about it. Father, around the globe we come. We ask that you lead, guide, direct, Father. Touch in Yeshua's precious name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay, question time. Mary from Tennessee. What biblical significant is the shifting of the planet that just took place after the earthquake? Well, it is true that the earth wobbled just a little bit with the earthquake that happened in um, Chile. It was 8.8 at the town of Concepcion. Concepcion in the Spanish, but in English, it's Conception. What... Um, what significance? Well, you know, you could say, and we're, we're to watch, but 8.8, or 8 being new beginnings, and conception, what happens nine months after conception? Usually a benchmark of some kind, okay? And uh, a birth of a new age? Not necessarily. But signs we should be observing. It was, it was a, a terrific earthquake enough that it did wobble the earth just a little bit and even cut down a little bit of time for that day. I don't know how better God can get attention than to bring a, a major one like that along occasionally. You're not to make anything out of that other than being a watchman and to watch. Joe from North Carolina, what does reprobation mean uh, you're, uh, it's no good, worthless. Uh, a reprobate is just uh, useless. If something is useless, you need to get it out of the way. Uh, your conscience would be seared with uh, a hot iron. What does that mean? Well, you know, in the old days when, when a man was wounded uh, uh, and you were miles away from a hospital, you heated a hot iron and you seared it, cauterized it. And it would heal, it would kill all the germs around it, and it would sear it over and cauterize it. But what it did when it um, uh, seared your heart, your mind, your feelings, because once you cauterize something, it has no feeling. So if you cauterize your mind, you got no feeling, no compassion, no love. So not good, not a good thing. It solves the problem momentarily, but God utilizes it um, to let you know their minds are seared over whereby they have no feelings. William from Texas, Pastor Murray, how do you get to the word love less from the scripture when Jesus says that you must hate your mother and father before you can become one of his disciples. I don't understand how you get the word love less. Thank you, Pastor. From the manuscripts. That's what the manuscripts say. It was translated from the manuscripts into English as hate, which was a very bad uh, translation because you're supposed to love your mother and father. They brought you into this world. But what it means is, if you're going to, to dedicate your life to serving the Lord Jesus Christ as a disciple, that's kind of a full-time job. So you have to love Christ more than you do your parents. But that has nothing to do with you stop loving your parents at all. It just simply means, what, what did Christ say? 
in the following uh, verse. You've got to pick up your cross and follow me. Why do you pick up a cross? What did they do when they picked up crosses and started up Golgotha? They were going to be crucified, meaning you've got to be willing to die to serve me. It's got to come first. You're not going to because not a hair on your head can be touched but uh, when you're serving him. But uh, <clears throat> it's the Greek word, love less, okay? And there's nothing wrong with loving our brothers, our sisters, our mother or dad less than we love Almighty God and the Son. Van from Alabama. Van, um, I can only say you've got to let God lead, and he will. I never tell anybody where they should go to church or what, but if, if you have a gift to teach, and you're teaching as we teach, as one of those, as those two churches out of seven teach, in a church that is not teaching those things, they're going to ridicule you. They cannot stand the truth. And I'll, I'll say it plainly, if you're teaching truth in a flyaway doctrine, you're going to offend them. So sometimes it's best to start your own class, your own way, but I never advise anyone in that because God leads his own shepherds, all right? He, he does the leading, not man. You're doing good. I'm proud of you. You hang tough. Barry from North Carolina. I would appreciate scriptures or a lecture on how I should go about casting this demon from my daughter. Um, Barry, just because, just because someone has a nervous breakdown doesn't necessarily mean they have a demon, okay, an evil spirit. Okay, you want to be very careful of this. Uh, and not, not being there to be able to discern if there's an evil spirit there, you should be able to discern it, and perhaps you have, I'm, and I won't judge one way or the other. But I, when you do not understand the casting out of demons, then I question whether maybe you can discern if she even has an evil spirit. Illnesses can cause a nervous breakdown. Um, diet can cause a nervous, many things can cause a nervous breakdown besides an evil spirit, okay? So be real, be real careful or you could really, uh, and I'm not telling you uh, what you should do, I'm just giving a word of caution, but the, the scripture you're looking for, you'll find in Luke chapter 10, begin reading with verses 18 and 19, where God gives you power over all of your enemies, but know this, when you do ask a, an order, an evil spirit out of an entity, you anoint them with the oil of our people, the olive oil, as you're instructed. And in the name of Jesus Christ, not your name, not my name, not somebody else's name, only Christ can do it. Because that's where your power comes from, Luke 10 verses uh, 18, 19, and so forth. Nathan from Florida. I'm, and I'm certainly not judging the problem that your daughter has because I do not know her, but I'm asking you to use caution. Nathan from Florida, Matthew 27:52, the graves opened and bodies of saints which were asleep arose. Is this the only time the dead stayed in the ground? I thought absent from the body is present with the Lord. And it's true. They weren't really in the ground. It only appeared they were in the ground 
Why? So that the people downtown Jerusalem could see those, they knew they'd been to their funeral, seen it, knew they were dead. It documented that Christ had defeated death, as it is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 50, 15, verse 54, 55, 56, death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your sting? Vice versa. Okay? He defeated it. God is not the God of the dead, but the living, and that was simply to show that. One-time thing to document beyond any shadow of a doubt, Christ defeated death. Uh, Vivian from, I don't know where Vivian's, this is my question, in speak, is speaking in tongues necessary to have the Holy Spirit and to be saved? Absolutely not. The least of the gifts Charisma is interpreter, okay? The, and that's what speaking in tongues is. The word <clears throat> unknown language, as it is used in 1 Corinthians 14, means a language you were not born with. You must learn it. In other words, to speak in another language, you would have to learn. Let's say we're going to go to Ciudad de Mexico, okay? You're going to have to learn Spanish. Because I don't, I don't, I'm not fluent in Spanish, so I need an interpreter. That's somebody that speaks in tongues, more tongues than one. Tongue is language. And they're going to have to go with me. Well, now, that does naturally, the least of the gifts is to interpret what the pastor says. So um, the presence of the Holy Spirit is in the pastor and in the person that interprets and in the whole family of God. And God doesn't give one person necessarily all the gifts. You know, I have known, I've known people that probably couldn't teach, and I really don't know what they could do, but they can walk in the room of a sick person, and that sick person just brightens up. They, they, they have a gift of helping people feel better. Uh, that is a real special gift from God. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit and has nothing to do with tongues. So I, I know the Pentecost tongue now is a different thing altogether. You will read of it in Acts chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It is not unknown. Quite the contrary, it comes out in every language of the world in the ear of the hearer. In other words, the hearer hears it in the dialect of the very county he was born in. That does not happen until the elect are delivered up before the Antichrist and the Holy Spirit, as it's written in Mark 13, speaks through people. Or, as Joel, the great book of Joel, chapter 2, makes it very clear, this is that that was spoken of by Joel the prophet, is what Peter would say in Acts 2, that my sons and my daughters shall prophesy and speak in tongues, okay? After the Antichrist appears... Stacy from North Carolina, I have a companion Bible, and in Genesis it says to look to Appendix 3 to compare Genesis to the Apocalypse. What is the Apocalypse, and should I order a copy of the Apocalypse to compare to Genesis um, uh, uh, 5, 5? What, what is the Septuagint? Um, you have the Apocalypse if you have a companion Bible. It means the book of Revelation. Okay. 
Apocalypse is revelation. So you've already got it. And it, the comparison that you will find in Appendix 3 in the back of your companion Bible will say Genesis was, Genesis was the beginning, Revelation is the end, and so on and so forth. The Septuagint is a Greek Old Testament. That's an oversimplification. To a student of God's Word, the Septuagint was translated from Hebrew and Aramaic into the Greek tongue from an older set of manuscripts than even the King James was translated from. And many times if a scholar gets really hung up, a scholar will translate back again from the Septuagint to the Hebrew to maybe get a clearer understanding. This, this, and, and what I'm saying is far is something most people will never have to worry about and shouldn't. But the Septuagint is simply the Old Testament in the Greek uh, language. Sharon from Texas, will Satan be in a physical body instead of um, in our minds? He has a physical body. And as we get to the 12th chapter of Revelation, Michael's going to boot him out of heaven and he's coming to earth physically. And he's looking to deceive people and play Jesus, and he will. Uh, Lonnie from Kentucky, Arnold, I'm a, in contact with many children. I have a son, 14 and 123, also many nieces and nephews. Do you have anything on drugs? Also, where in Scripture covers drugs and pot? Again, God bless and thank you. You are so welcome. Um, wh what, you, what you want to do is to know what the Greek sorcerer is. Look up, I'll, I'll even help you, in the Greek, in the back of your Strong's Concordance, the Greek word 5332, I'll say it again, 5332 is a sorcerer. That's a person that is a religionist, but is the word in the Greek is pharmacica, which is our word pharmacist comes from. It means a drug dealer. Guess what's not going to be in heaven? The book of Revelation very much declares it in Revelation, what chapter? 21. There will be no sorcerers in heaven, no druggies. So that's pretty final. I'll say it one more time. Go to your Strong's Concordance, the Greek word 5332, sorcerer, is pharmacica, which means a pharmacist or drug dealer. And... Um, uh, and there's not going to be any of them. And you don't need, you don't get your high spiritually off of drugs. That's false religion. You get it from the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. I think that'll help you. Uh, Limley from Virginia, Revelation 20.10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Does that mean their soul never dies? No. When you go into the lake of fire and God is a consuming fire, turns to ashes, you can read of Satan turned to ashes in, in Ezekiel 28, verses 18 and 19. Ashes, how long are ashes ashes? Forever and ever. Okay. Uh, 
they're gone, out of here, bought it out. That's what it means, okay? But I hope you understand that um, when it says that the beast and the false prophet, the beast is the one world system, the false prophet is the antichrist, those are roles he plays. They are cast into the lake of fire before the millennium, and he is cast in after or at the end of the millennium when the second death takes place. The second death is the death of the soul, not the flesh. Your documentation for that statement, that really, you know, a lot of people say, well, I didn't know God killed souls. Well, he's the only one that can. Have you never read Matthew chapter 10, verse 28? Fear not he that can kill your flesh body, but he that can kill your flesh and, and cause your soul to perish also. Only God can do that. Uh, Berinda from Missouri. My question is, have I sinned against Father for me to be baptized? This is bothering me. No, you haven't, okay? If you, were, if you were a wee child when you were first baptized and you came into the truth, you felt you needed to be baptized again, there's, there's no sin there. You're, you're okay. Martha from South Carolina. Where in the Bible does it tell what year Jesus was born? Well, it, it, technically in Luke chapter 1. And, and it, it uh, lets you know the birth of uh, John the Baptist. And you figure Christ's birth from John the Baptist's father's course of Abiah. That's a date. And um, my tape on Christmas uh, goes into that in great detail and, and draws it out for you. It's a pretty, kind of a complicated story for some, uh, but study rather. But if you have a companion Bible, let me test my memory. In Appendix 179, you will have a more, you'll learn more about the date of Christ's birth than you probably ever wanted to know. Donna from Tennessee, what are your thoughts on predestination? Well, I think it's wonderful in as much as God states very clearly, I chose you before the foundations of the world. Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. And then when you turn to Romans chapter 8, and you come along with about verse 25 and begin reading there through 26, 27, 28, what, what does he say? He says there, if you are one of the saints, set aside ones, God's elect, you don't really know what to pray for so I intercede in your lives. Why? Because you were predestined, foreordained, meaning you withstood Satan in the first earth age whereby God can trust you to stand against him again. That's why predestination is so important. And if God be for you, who can be against you if he has his hand on you? and you know the truth of what Satan's tricks are. That's what the seals are about, so don't miss any of them as we begin to open them soon. Gene uh, from Colorado, Carolina, North Carolina, that is. My question is, where did all the races come from after the whole world was flooded if only eight people were left? Only eight Adamic people. Eight children of Adam. Eth ha adam. 
What did, what did God tell Noah to take aboard the ark? Did he, didn't God say, Noah, take two of every animal aboard the ark? That's not what he said. He said, Noah, take two of every flesh aboard the ark. The races created on the sixth day were all flesh. Now, there are some that think the flood was not worldwide, the cosmos, but be that as it may, that explains it. Revelation, Genesis chapter 6, I'm out of time. Hey, I love you all because you enjoy studying our Father's Word, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Most of all, God loves you for it. Do you know something? You read His letter that He's written to you, it makes His day. And when you make His day, boy, is He going to make yours, okay? We are brought to you by our tithe, your tithes and offerings. If we've helped you, you help us keep coming to you. Once you do that, you bless God. He will always bless you. Most important, though, you listen to me. You stay in His Word every day. In His Word, it's a good day, even with trouble. You know why? Because Jesus, Yeshua, is the living Word. Hearing God's Word with understanding will change your life. We hope you have enjoyed studying God's Word here on the Shepherd's Chapel Family Bible Study Hour with Pastor Arnold Murray. If you would like to receive more information concerning Shepherd's Chapel, you may request our free introductory offer. Our introductory offer contains the Mark of the Beast audio tape, our monthly newsletter with a written Bible study, a tape catalog, and a list of written reference works available through Shepherd's Chapel. To request our free introductory offer by telephone, call 800-643-4645, 24 hours a day. You may also request our introductory offer by writing to Shepherd's Chapel, Post Office Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. Once again, that's Shepherd's Chapel, Post Office Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas. 72736. We invite you to join us for the next in-depth Bible study each weekday at this same time. Thank you for watching today's program and God bless you.